Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this uh, third day of January 2019, (laughs) believe it or not. Uh, We're here today with our co-host, John Stacy, a.k.a. Jay Basser, and our guest speaker today is none other than Sherman Howard. And he'll give us a lowdown on how well the VA has improved in the year of 2019. Now, we already know what it done in 2018. How do you think the VA is going to do in 2019, Chairman. Well, I think i got to be optimistic on this phone call, so I think they're going to do better. You do? Uh, do you have anything uh, to base that opinion on? Uh, optimism. That's it. Optimism. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I I think it's going to be the same as 2016, girl. Oh, 2016. I think it's going to be the same. They're just taking a six and flipping it over and making it a nine. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you got a good point there. That's pretty good uh, calculating. Uh, I got my fingers crossed, but I had to use super glue, so. Uh, they won't stay. I don't know what to make of it. I think the BA is just going to get down and dirtier. Uh, there's not enough veterans dying quick enough, and they pay these doctors, you'd think <coughs> they'd get someone doctors that knew something about medicine. I think they use all dropouts. Uh, I don't know. But something's going to happen in 2019. I guess we'll just have to wait and see what it is. Not that I want a bad mouth to be A, but... As far as doctors, Mr. Cook... You know, it's interesting that uh, I live in the state of Georgia, and for a doctor to practice medicine in the state of Georgia, they have to have a state of Georgia license. And if they're in Missouri, where you are, they have to have a Missouri license. But VA doctors don't have to hold a license in the state that they practice medicine, meaning if they have issues somewhere else, they can transfer or join the VA and transfer anywhere and use that license. Well, that that's true, Sherman, but you would at least think it would require them to have a third-grade education, wouldn't you? Well, 
not when you're the VA and you use the generic excuse that you're short-handed on everything, and so they uh, they'll take whatever they can get. I know when I was doing my benefits claim, a doctor that worked for the uh, benefits office. He was an internal medicine doctor from California, and he did an evaluation for me on a psychiatric evaluation and uh, put it in there, and he actually never saw me or did anything. And he, 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 hasn't, practiced, he hasn't practiced medicine. He is an administrator at the VA and hasn't practiced medicine in like seven years. Before I, you know, the thing, I looked it up on the Internet and looked his history up and found that and used that as part of my case, saying how can someone give a, a psychiatric evaluation when they're an internist, number one, and number two, they have no psychiatric license, and number three, they haven't practiced medicine in seven years, and that the number four, they never, he never even met or sat down with him. He just based it on what somebody else said. Um, and the VA owns their own rules, so as long as people don't check, they can get away with anything that they want to. That's true. Very true. Uh, you got to check, folks. You got to scrutinize. It usually comes in a, a uh, statement of case or denial. And you got to scrutinize every word in that doggone thing. Uh, don't overlook nothing because usually the truth is right there in front of you and you can take and whip it back on them. Where you had the foresight to, to go in there and actually dig the proper information out, this, this, uh, Suppose the doctor wasn't even qualified to make any kind of opinion on your claim. No, sir, but you know the way that he wrote it up and the way it was written up, the administrative law judge would have never known what was going on. And yeah, do you I not, didn't do that, sir. Yeah. Ain't that something? That's true. What you're saying is true. When the claim gets further up the line, and if no one's questioning it, then it goes on, you know, and they take it as the gospel, and that leaves well, the poor veterans. And what he had put in there is exactly what they wanted to put in there so that they could deny my claim about certain terminology and things. Uh, you know, but uh, that that kind of goes to uh, the American Legion, the Disabled Veterans of America, Vietnam Veterans of America, the uh, VFW Veterans of Foreign Wars, and all them. They're appointed by Congress of the United States to be our advocate. And when I was filling out my paperwork for disability claim, and I was talking to the VA. Uh, and they told me that if I filed the paperwork myself and that I processed it all myself, that I would have a 75% chance of failing, that I would only have a 25% chance of winning the case if I did it myself. But if I used the VSO, my chances went up because they know how to fill the paperwork out. And I go, well, why shouldn't... 
Vietnam as a veteran. In every sense of the day I joined the military service, I filled out paperwork. Why should the paperwork be so complex at the VA that I couldn't fill out my own paperwork? Well, you had a good point there. And, so uh, I did a little more. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Chairman. Well, and then the VSOs, they, you know, I've talked to numerous cases. They don't go research the doctors. They don't challenge um, an opinion. You know, the I don't know what all those little exams they sent me to, but they sent me to this one exam, and the the doctor was afraid of, of dogs, and I had a service dog. So he saw me for 10 minutes, asked me a generic question, gave me a check for travel pay, and said, thank you. I went and did the research on him and did an Internet check. He was rated one of the worst doctors in the state of Georgia. He ran a clinic that was an overflow clinic. He had a contract with the VA Medical Center in Atlanta for the for the fourth, I call it the fourth floor. It's the mental health ward, suicide ward, alcohol, and all that, where they keep them locked down. He had a contract with them to take their overflow, and he was he was on the board, uh, also on the review board that certified the mental health department of the PA Medical Center. And he was working through a contract to lock in to do these exams. There was so many conflicts of interest plus. On the internet, went and did research on him and found out that he, he was one of the worst doctors in the state of Georgia. Had no, positively no good reviews at all. My lands, and they had him uh, uh, evaluating veterans. Right. And the bad thing about it is the VFWs, the American Legions, and all them, they don't do the research, and they don't say, hey, wait, you've got a bad doctor doing this, you know? They just want to process paperwork as fast as they can and uh, get as many as they can so that they can get money from the VA for, for their work. They actually make money off of veterans. Yes, I'm afraid they do. Paperwork. And they well, use veterans. It's a terrible thing. You read, you see the television commercials and all this about us oh, donate to the VFW. We're helping the homeless veterans and this and that. In reality, they, we don't need their help. If the VA was doing their job and taking the budget that they had for it, then they would do it. But when you got incompetent workers not doing their job, and then you got the VFW and them sucking the American people dry on money say we're taking care of veterans. They should be taking care of us by being our advocates, very strong advocates fighting for the right thing. Not for something for them, but for the right thing for veterans. Well, I don't know what they pay all of them people, but it must be quite a bit because they sure have quite a few tied up in it. Uh, the BFW, the uh, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the, all of them. Uh, I don't know what type of fees they get uh, and how many volunteers, you know. We're bound to have some volunteers in the mix there somewhere. 
uh, they could probably give you the straight of it. I couldn't imagine anyone volunteering uh, for a deal like that, but they uh, they might have. I've seen volunteers working down at the medical place, and uh, they do good work. But uh, when it comes to the claims process, that's a little different story. <clears throat> Well, they're all, they're all supposed to be volunteers, but the way that the, by them being our, our authorized advocates, the federal government provides them with services. And there's just too much of a conflict, number one, and number two, they're just not strong advocates. The problems we have in the VA could be easily resolved by having a strong advocate saying, hey, we're not going to let this happen. This is wrong. Straighten it out now. But when they're in bed with them up there in Washington, and, it, you know, it ain't never going to get any better because they're so far away, you know, from the reality. Well, that's, uh, that's for sure because... Why in the world are we still having the same issues over and over and over? Why hasn't some of these issues been taken care of? And uh, I don't understand that. We're supposed to have representation uh, through these organizations, and yet we don't have it. It's kind of like looking at an Inspector General report. I don't know if you ever look at them, but they're pretty interesting. The VA Inspector General will do a report or an investigation. And then what they do is they sit down with the VA before they pick, file the final thing, and they'll say, hey, this is what we saw. These are our recommendations of what to do. And then the VA will come back and say, well, we don't agree with this, this, this. Take that out of there. And they'll take that out of there, and then they'll put, we concur with the recommendations of the Inspector General. And if you go back to the advocacy system, about every three years they come out with a new report, and it's the same report that came out three years before with the same recommendations and everything, and no one does anything. Now, if we had strong advocacy groups through the VFW, and the, and the American Legion and DAV and all them that had their legal departments working on it, they should be right up there with their nose on the grindstone telling them, hey, we're not going to accept this answer in three years. You know, we want to report next year telling us exactly how it's improved and what. I don't think anybody knows what a forensic audit is in the whole VA. They operate nearly-willy, and then Congress will go to go on vacation in the spring, and the VA will say, we're $2 billion on our budget, we need $2 billion, and the Congress will vote $2 billion more, and then go home. You know, it's just crazy. Well, there's got to be some improvements made, Sherman. Let's hope well, 2019 will be the year. But uh, so far, I don't see much indication that that's going to be the case. Uh, of course, it's early in the year. And uh, where's our strong, where's our strong, dynamic leaders in the, uh, in, the, in, the in the DAV and the American Legion and all them that 
are standing up and saying we've had enough. Every year it's the same thing. Every year. Every year. I can go back to my records in 1985 when I wrote letters to the VA and my congressman, and I can write the same letter today. Exact yeah. same about the same exact issue. <laughs> you sure can, and that's, that's what, it's not remarkable, that's what's disgraceful. Uh, is, that, is that how you say the it, The issue's the same problems stay with us, and they won't go The away. names have changed, but the game has The been. names, yeah. The names right, have been changed. Change. You can yeah. change the name and the date, and you'd have an up-to-date letter. Yeah. Yep. Only thing they That's do is keep moving the goalposts, Sherman. That's all they do is move the goalpost. Well, oh. they're going to come to a point. That this country's going to come to a point one day when they're going to need them warriors and them veterans, and they ain't going to have them. Well, they're going to get them. It's going to be. It's going to be in the in, in the genre they don't want to have them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got to imagine, veterans got to be getting fed up with all this. Uh, the, the point that I usually make, Mr. Cook, on that, there are veterans who are fed up. I was in the laundromat today and just walking out. I talked to a lady, and her husband was a Marine that served in Vietnam, actually two or three tours of duty in Vietnam. And she was telling me about how he had the emergency to go to a hospital with gallstones or something. He had had trouble a whole bunch of times. And uh, so the, he called the VA and they said, well, go to the closest emergency room. So he goes to it and then reports back to them so that they would pay his bill. Well, the emergency rooms had caught on that when you give your social security number, they check and they've got uh, Medicaid or Medicare, they automatically charge them, you know, because they don't even want to deal with the VA. So once the, once Medicaid or Medicare pays for it, then the VA won't pay for it, won't reimburse, and then people are stuck with a 20% charge that they're having to pay. And the VA will say, well, we're not paying because Medicaid already paid it, and so veterans are getting stuck with 20% charge. Because the hospitals have gotten smart and said, we'll never get paid by the VA. We'll just charge Medicaid and Medicare. And the VA's caught on to it and said, we'll let them do it. Yep, I mean, the VA lost a lawsuit, too. Like yeah, they, huh? just, they just huh? lost a lawsuit. They lost a lawsuit a couple months ago. They've got to pay that Medicare copay back to the veterans. Well, I wish I'd have known that when I was talking to this lady because she was all upset, yep. you know? I'll send you a copy of it if you want to see it. So they All lost right. big time. They had to back up and pay a bunch of folks. Well, I know about. I got about a bunch more that probably do it because I had a I had a buddy that got he had a flatbed truck and he parked it on a hill and it rolled down and smashed in between a building and his truck. They they put him in a helicopter because we're up in, on the Georgia Tennessee North Carolina border. They put him on a helicopter. And lifeline in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh-huh. Well, his main hospital was in Atlanta, Georgia, so they refused to pay his bill because he went to Tennessee. And told him that was well, in a different district of the VA, and they had to pay him. And, they, and well, he, he's now, getting these threatening letters from the hospital. 
he was getting threatening yeah. letters from the hospital, you know, going to mess with his credit and everything. Medicaid, they went ahead and charged Medicaid for the most part of it, but the other part he had to pay because the VA refused to pay it. And they said, you should have told him the life flights to Atlanta. And it's like, you're laying there in the, in the helicopter dying, and you're going to say, hey, don't take me to Chattanooga or somewhere, you know? No. I mean, they're required to go to the closest level trauma center that they can handle your emergency. Right. Right, but when you got one person processing the paperwork in Atlanta, and they, they, they're an idiot to start with, all they do is just say no, and it creates a problem. The veteran's trying to learn to walk again. He's trying to learn to live again, you know, and he's catching hell every day. You know? That's when the veteran law is let them take care of it. Huh? That's when the veteran should. That's when the veteran needs to lawyer up, start filing tort suits against them. Right, but when you're when you're in pain, when you're trying to survive for your life, you're getting letters from everywhere. You know, lawyering up. You know, not everybody. I mean, even finding a lawyer to do it sometimes is not a great thing because they don't want to fight with the VA. There's not a whole lot of lawyers that'll do it. They'll help you file your claim because they can get to 33%. No, as long as they can get a tort lawyer, they don't, that really won't worry too much about what departments they're going after. But as long as they, you know, you find a lawyer that does torts, you know, it, it don't matter if it's the VA or Social Security or IRS or anybody, then guys, they'll sue them. Yeah, well, and they'll, know they'll be what, paid too. So. Personally, I've searched for tort lawyers a lot, and then. There's very few and very far between, and they won't take your case or even listen to you unless you've got some extraordinary thing. Now, that's just in my instance. I've tried because I, have, I still have a deal where uh, people lie under oath. They violated the HIPAA laws. They violated the ADD laws, the VADA. I've got records and all that, but signing someone that wants to fight the VA is not an easy chore to do. And the general counsel of the VA doesn't work for veterans, they work for the VA. And they'll tell you right off, we work for the VA, we don't work for veterans. We're not protected by the special counsel, which protects VA employees and all government employees. Um, our patient advocacy system, which should be there to represent us, is no, nowhere to be found. They work for the VA. And well, they're evaluating. You know you live in Georgia. You live right. in Georgia, don't you? We have we have an attorney down there right. that comes on the show about take this, Gerald. Remember his name, Gerald? Uh, I'm trying to remember it. I think he jumped on this like stink on a turd. Well, he might just do it. Mm-hmm. We'll have to look his well, name up, John. I'll tell you what, I've gone yep. through the Georgia Bar Association. The, my law firm that represented me in my disabled claim, which I had a contract with to do that, to a, to a law school, one of the top law firms in the world. And they they hooked me up with two court lawyers, one was in Texas and one was somewhere else, and they didn't want to have nothing to do with it. But, you know, that's just me. You get so tired of trying to fight them. Uh... It's just crazy. It's crazy. But, I mean, 
We can only hope that leadership in Washington gets stabilized now for the next two years while President Trump is there and that we get some kind of improvement in leadership. That's the only hope. And there's no leadership in the, in the VSOs, the Veteran Service Organization, and there's not really any in Washington. The senior executive service runs it and it's going to do what they want to do. Well, something needs to be done positively. Uh, I don't know who in the world we can get in the hierarchy there in the VA that will actually look out and represent veterans. Uh, uh, this new guy, I don't know anything about him. Well, Wilkie, is that his name? Yes, sir. Uh, if he's going to be a good guy or not, it, you, you don't know till you you start hearing or seeing results. With me, I got to see some positive results. There's awful, awful lot of talk going around, but. What's the results? What are you seeing actually happening? And it's nothing. It's same old, same old. Well, let's put it this way. Bob McDonough was hired by President Obama to be the Secretary of Veterans Affairs. Bob McDonough was a uh, military officer, Army officer. He was a Republican, not a Democrat, but he was appointed by a Democrat. He ran Procter & Gamble, the largest consumer product company in the world. I used to talk to him a lot on the phone, mostly on Saturdays and Sundays. We'd talk a lot and text back and forth. In the first six months he was there, he was so gung-ho about making it better, doing better. Making, making it more customer-friendly, making it more of a service provider. And he got burned out really fast and found out that he would, had to be on the defensive about how everything was hitting him left and right about whatever, you know, wait times and secret lists, veterans dying and this and that and all that. He, he surrendered in the end and became a big PR person for the VA. Now, I'd say he was a pretty strong guy at first, but he gave up because you're dealing with the senior executive service and you're dealing with Washington, D.C. You know, our senator, our senator in, in Georgia, Johnny Axel, chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee, I don't know how true all this is, but he's been getting in trouble for doing some interfering in a, in a company that sold services to the VA. They were like skin graft company and biomedical stuff. And the VA found their product not to be good and all and and um, decided to uh, cut the contract. And Mr. Eichson interfered in that and got him to renew the contract. This guy happened to be on Mr. Eichson's uh, fundraising campaign committee and a big donor to him. And then he went on into the uh, FBI, I think, and I'm just thinking, pulling this out of my head, 
and also had his in office and I'll inquire about them to slow down any investigation going on. So when you got a senator that's a veteran, number one, he's a veteran, Johnny Ickton is, and he's a senator and he's the chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee, and he's looking after his buddies and not looking after his veterans. And so you know, who have we got fighting for? We don't and, have men. And all this, all this was based on stories in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Um, it just amazes me. And, um, you know, we're hoping that we can get some changes. But until veterans stand up and unite, I don't think there's going to be any change. Veterans and their families stand up and unite. Right now, there's no uniting force. The uniting force is the... Uh, the DAV and them that put all their propaganda on television and the American people are buying it. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. That's the reason they sanctioned all these different organizations is to keep the veteran community all divided up. And uh, every once in a while they'll throw a bone to one organization or another and say, look at all the great things we've done. And so it keeps it to where all your the veteran community is is not united in their movement to to better and look out for one another. We have a lot of sick veterans out there that do need some help, and uh, that's that's what they've done. Well, it's. It's kind of just a microcosm of our country. We've thrown virtue and morals away. We no longer have virtues or morals. Um, we've gotten too big for our britches as a country, and they're too powerful. And, um, I mean, that's just my opinion. Well, I don't know. They're not taking care of the ones that protect the country, and that's something that they're going to regret. They're going to be a day they'll regret that because when you turn your back on your veterans and uh, ultimately, who's going to want to join the military and serve their country? Oh, What's this it's a hard here? question. Huh? That's a tough one. Maybe but, they'll go back to the way it was right after Vietnam, and if you're in prison, let you come join the military, get out of prison. Yeah. Uh, well, let's hope they do. I'd like to see the draft come back myself. I'd like to uh, see some kind of service. And I'd like to see uh, people start start thinking of other people instead of themselves. Once we start thinking of other people instead of ourselves, our country will be a lot better. I believe so. Oh, yeah. You know, without a doubt, there'd be some pride and and respect and and patriotism. My lands, when I was growing up... You never heard anyone disgrace the flag. 
No, man. You just disgraced the flag. Well, that that was horrible. <laughs> Why, you wouldn't even think of it. And we said a Pledge of Allegiance every morning at school. And the Lord's Prayer. And by golly, what do they do now? They ain't even, are they even allowed to fly a flag at school? A lot of them in the county where I just came from, they didn't have flags in front of their, their on the poles in front of their schools. Because yeah. I called up and inquired about it. But it, it would offend somebody. Well, that's... <laughs> There's something wrong Think with that this. picture. You know, you're talking about when you were growing up, when all of us were growing up, because we're, we're up there in our age, Mr. Cook. Um, you know, we went to... There, on Sunday, no stores were open. That's right, yeah. On, on, on Wednesday, they, the banks and government closed down at noon so everybody could have off and go to Sunday dinner at the church and socialize, you know? If there was if there was a people in need in the community, the churches took care of those needs. They had you took care of your community. Yes, well, the government they did. decided they would go in and start taking care of the community. They would give them this and that. They would be the ones. And the churches quit doing it so much, you know. And then we started saying, all right, well you can open stores on Sunday after one o'clock after church. And open stores up, and they got to close again at five or something. And then they got started staying up and late. Then they started opening up in the morning. You know, I mean, now down here where I live in Georgia, you know, they, now they have and have poured drinks at nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Now you can buy alcohol, you know, at, at the restaurant at nine o'clock in the morning. You know? Oh. Back when I was growing up, well, we didn't even have liquor or beer stores in the county, but, you know, the ones that was closest to us, you know, they were closed on Sunday, you know. Now everything's open. It's just crazy. We've thrown morals and virtues away. In fact, New York, you can, uh, today the law just went into effect in New York. When you're born, a child is born, you can check male, female, or ex. You don't even have to put male or female. Check an X, and they can decide later on what they are. Isn't that I think incredible? That, I think that, that's a law in New York now. Yeah. <laughs> I find that weird. That's beyond my thinking. Mine too. Yeah. What do you I was in, mean? I've, I've, I've watched. I've watched two births, and as soon as they come out, they go, "It's a boy. It's a girl." You know. <laughs> now they say, yeah. "It's an X." <laughs> <laughs> we don't know yet. Oh <laughs> he hadn't told us, or he hadn't told us. So, what does that mean if you're doing the military service? And you say that you're uh, an ex or a male? Does that mean that the government's going to have to pay to change your gender? I don't know. We can't even get them to take care of flu shots. We've been trying to get them. 
you know, they said, why don't you just, why don't you make a contract with the major corporations, Rite Aid, um, Eckerd's Drugs, Walgreens, and all them, where a veteran can walk in and get a flu shot, you know? Well, you can here. I mean, can you? well, no, that's not veterans. That's if you're on Social Security. Uh, you can go, of course, you can go to BA medical facility and get flu shots. Yeah, but I mean, why? Why would you have to? My BA medical facility is a hundred miles away. Why shouldn't I be able to drive to the drug, uh, drug store and get a shot? You can. Go to Walmart. You can. I, I, I thought you could at Walgreens. You can. That, that's you got a contract at Walgreens. You can. All you got to do is show your yeah, BID okay. card, and they'll give you a free shot. Yeah. Well, um, see how it's looking up in 2019 already for me. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them I sent you. Then John sent you and get your flu shot. Oh, now, that's peanut drill. You know, we talking about identities and stuff, you know. We might wake you up in the morning and identify as a working guy and go back to work or identify, you know, <laughs> be 25 years old, identify as a retired person, file Social Security. Yeah. No. I saw where somebody somebody claimed he wasn't sixty five anymore, that he was twenty five and he was trying to get yeah. changed. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> and the court turned him down, I think. But uh he probably did it anyway. <laughs> it don't matter, age will catch him sooner or later. You can't run from it. Time has got you. Yeah, at age. The golden years. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me about the golden years. <laughs> Time's so, on your side, Drew. Mr. Cook, John, what do y'all think about the VA? What do you think could help this year to make it a better place? Uh, personally, uh, don't you know? Don't quote me on this. You know, you know. I think. Uh, uh, we need to have a big cost savings adventure, and uh, personally, if I was the powers to be, I would close every VA medical center, every VA thing except the regional offices, let everybody go work at hospitals, give them other jobs, save all that money, and I'd give every veteran a VA card and let him go to any doctor he wants to go to. That's what hey, I would do. That's your day. I don't see it happening uh-huh. on the choice. Uh, it makes too much sense, Joe. Yeah, I know it, but it, it, I don't see it happening. Uh, it'll be a choice. It'll be a. It'll be. It'll. It'll be a VA identification card. You show it up there to the insurance, and that's it. Yeah. So at the pharmacy, and show it up to, at the doctor's office, and they'll take that, and that's all you got to pay. Well, myself, yeah, I don't see, think you know, a veteran should have any copay, period, no matter he where he goes. He should have uh, good. But, uh, unfortunately, even the VA charges a copay. Unless you're of course, at least you don't know make a lot of veterans bad because they won't get their travel paid to the, to the, when they do the 300-mile trip to the hospital. Yeah. That's um, yeah. that's it. I was do I was talking to 
to uh, a, to uh, a hospital in North Carolina that they said I could go to. And, uh, in fact, that's where they told me to go. And so when I was talking to them, they said, you won't get any travel pay, though. And I go, why not? And they said, because you're not going to the closest medical facility to you. And I said, well, I will go to the closest one, but y'all the ones that sent me up to this one, you know? And they said, well, that doesn't matter what we say. <laughs> you know? <laughs> We're not going to pay you, you know? I think I think they should I think they should take the VA medical centers and downgrade downsize them for specialty things. I think maybe the a lot of the paraplegic stuff, a lot of the mental health stuff should be specialized at a VA medical center. There's a lot of personal information there, and I think they should have specialty people that know how to deal with those issues that best you have of those particular mm-hmm. really serious things. But everyday things like a gallstones or, you know, going for a flu shot or a cold or a physical checkup and all that, it's, the VA system, it just costs way too much money to do it when you could contract with Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Demand, and all these companies to take care of it. And our, well, our, you our, go our in prime. there. If you go to your primary care team, what do you see them doing all night? While you're talking to them, they're sitting there typing on a computer. Uh, right. You know, so if you're sick or something, why don't you be able to run over to ER and get something done? Or have a primary uh, doctor out of the VA, which I do. But no, I, I don't know. I mean, I just I think it. I think that they should do away with the VA medical center, and um, but have some specialty clinics around the country that for certain things. But not many. I think mental health needs to stay within the VA because there's so much psychological stuff that goes on. And if they specialize only in it and focus their attention, in the same way with a lot of the uh, the really serious injuries from war, that they might be able to specialize and do better in. But the rest of the stuff is general medicine. I mean, if I need a knee, a knee replacement, I don't I think I should have to go to the VA hospital job, you know. My sister, she needed she needed uh, uh, rotor cuff surgery or something. It was set up and done in a week because those companies are there to make money, you know. So they got a man, got a specialist. Her doctor got with the specialist. The specialist said, okay, let's schedule it. Got her in there, and she was in um, rehabbing, you know, the next couple of days. Where the VA, you know, you can't even get an appointment, or less, you know, who the hell's going to do your surgery. That's one of the biggest issues I have with the VA is that, you know, you have a right to choose your doctor who's going to take care of you. And it talks about in their mission or their vision that they're going to work and engage collaborative teams. But I ain't never found no engaged collaborative team in anything there. Have y'all? 
Well, no, when I broke my hip, I had a hip replacement. I went to the hospital over here. But uh, I'd hate to imagine me going to the VA. I'd had one foot turned around backwards, probably. That's so you can kick yourself in the butt for going there to start with. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I hope that was clean enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I went to the regular hospital and they did it for me. I had a specialist, did a good job. Had no issues with them. And my foot wasn't sticking out 90 degrees the wrong way either. And my legs are the same length, one ain't a foot longer. <laughs> Man, I might have to come up to Missouri to get some surgery. Oh, Even boy, I did. They did a good job. I was listening to a guy on the radio coming down here. It was a Mark Levin show, but another guy's hosting for him. And a guy called him from Kansas. And um, he actually said he was a veteran, and he had an appointment. He was still getting his service for the government shutdown. And the guy asked him, says, well, how, how is your service at the VA? And he says, well, I've got three different, you know, Leavenworth, Kansas, and so-and-so and so-and-so. He says, I've never had a problem, you know. So there's a lot of people out there that get good service and don't have problems. And I'm happy for all of them. It's the yeah. ones that don't get it, the ones that we need to be worried about. Uh, that's right. I've had good luck with my uh, primary care teams. Uh, so I can't kick on them. They've done very well, but and they work good with my outside doctors too. They take the scripts from them if they want need a prescription filled. Uh, outside doctor will just uh, fax them a script and they'll fill my. Uh, prescription through the VA it saved me a lot of money but not all things you know not all places work good like that which is no, it's like, any, like, like anywhere you know it's like going to a I don't know a Morton Steakhouse you know you might have one in your neighborhood that's super you know and then you go somewhere else and the service is terrible yeah you know there's no there's no consistency and there's no leadership that's, uh, that ensures that there's consistency. They only they only try to be consistent when an inspector general report comes out and condemns them. Then they got to fight yeah. fire. Well, that's the main issue with the VA. There's nothing consistent about it across the country. And what is good in one place should be good in another. It shouldn't be different, and it shouldn't matter which VA you go to. If you're traveling across the country, 
and you need uh, medical attention, you should be able to pull in any medical, VA medical facility and get the same treatment as you would at home. How true that is. And, you know, and I've told uh, leadership in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to name her today, Dr. Carolyn Clancy. She's been acting Secretary of Health four or five times in the past couple of years. She's been in charge of organizational excellence for the health care system. She's now in development in something. And I've talked to her a hundred times, maybe more, and I keep telling her to do all that, but to be consistent, to be the same everywhere, then the VA has to go back to their vision, their mission, their three promises, and their core values, integrity, commitment, advocacy, respect, and excellence. And if everybody follows those simple fifth-grade terms, definitions they have, then they would be a consistent force, and 80% of their problems would go away. But when you have leadership that don't understand those things, or don't hold their employees accountable for those things, then it's all out of control, and that's what it is. And I, I encourage everyone to go read it again for the VA healthcare system, their vision, their mission, their three promises, and their their values. It's called I care, integrity, commitment, advocacy, respect, and excellence. And integrity is like. Integrity is act with high moral principles, a heed to the highest professional standards, and maintain the trust and confidence of all whom I engage. That's pretty simple. Well, why is it so hard for them to follow? That's what gets me. Because when you have idiots in charge, they can't do it and they can't hold their other people accountable for it and the system fails. Until everyone's held to the same standards, then you're never going to get it. I kind of compare it to when I went in the military and I got my 10 general orders. You know, you knew them suckers. You were in boot camp standing up on the daggum roof guarding laundry, quoting them things, you know? Yeah, you never got a payday till you quoted the meme. <laughs> yeah, and in the VA, they don't require their employees to know those things. I think before they get the first paycheck, they should be able to quote in things backwards and forwards. Well, they should. And I think name, rank, serial number, and time. general orders. Yeah, I think it should be on their paycheck. When they look on their computer screen and says that check's deposited, those things should pop up. I think in every waiting room it should be a a, 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 a poster framed with it written right in there what they are. I think when you come in the door, I think on every Internet page that they have, that's the first thing that should pop up. Our vision, our mission, our three promises, and our values. I think it should be ingrained in everybody's mind so much when they go to stand there if they're if they're the extra if they're the ex not the male or the female and they're standing in the men's room with the urinal that's sitting on the wall in front of them to read. You know? <laughs> or if they close the stall door on the back of the door. I think it should be ingrained in their mind. That's the expectations of the American people and the veterans for them to follow those simple rules. It'd be wonderful if they did. It'd solve a lot of problems. 
But when leadership well. doesn't respect and respect and doesn't expect themselves to be held accountable for them, so what do you expect? It's a sad story. Let's hope 2019 will change this. It's going to be better. We keep working at it. It's going to be better because we're getting less veterans. Well, yeah. All our, all our World War II brothers and sisters are about gone now, you know? They're getting close. And the Korean and War was right veterans there. veterans have passed. Korean War was a right. forgotten war. Those veterans are next, you know? Yeah. They didn't treat them right either. No, we still don't treat them right. Them are the Vietnam veterans. When anybody has to fight now at their age for, for things because of Agent Orange, in fact, that lady I was talking to today, a lot of her husbands, he was he was in recon in Vietnam. You know he was sprayed with Agent Orange. Oh, yeah, but he went to they, it. They still don't recognize it. You know, for him. They want, it, they Boy, want you to beg and suffer. That's upsetting, when you, you hear the you story. all that the veteran that they ignore. That veteran fought for his life for many years, and then, you know, three months after they die, they say, oh, it's been approved now for care for Agent Arnold, well, you know? He just fell through the cracks. I'm so sick yeah. of hearing that. Well, we got new groups coming up. Iraq and Afghanistan and Pakistan and all them. They're going to have their issues too. Well, they got them, you know. I mean, they do. What do they call us? Yes. Trash pile burns are pretty much. Burn pit. Yeah. Boy, that's that's a bad deal. Real bad What's deal. The, it's psychological of living on those bases. I mean, you can't even go outside to go to the John without worrying about a mortar hitting you or something. Yeah. Constant I mean, stress. I mean, that yeah, they long. Put and little, and they put some you in a little camp in the middle. Of, yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. And then they got to yeah. worry about we keep armor, keep armor plating the vehicles even more, but they they're worried about being blown up whenever they drive right out the door. Well, yeah. I mean, we, uh, I don't know. I hope it, I hope the American people get some conscience. But I just watched the uh, president and Congress them. You know, and they, they they don't even have a content themselves. <laughs> I'm afraid not. No, no. Afraid they don't. Maybe they ought to go over for about six months, kick around in the sand, fight the sand fleas, and camel spiders and all that. And... Not drink, not in the privileged sense, but just not, as a regular drink. Drink contaminated water. <laughs> yeah. 
be across the world when your first born is born or your parents yeah. die or, you know, all the suffering and stuff that people go through. I trying just to fight don't, don't your kids in trouble at school. Three or four or five tours over, that's too much. One tour should be adequate. You've served your country if you've been over for one tour. And if they're short that many people, they can't do that, then they they better wake up. Maybe that's a good idea. You know, these people that I talk to, like... Some common people we know in the VA, you know, their, their degrees are in political science stuff. And you call your congressman's office and they got these volunteers or they call them, I forgot, interns and stuff. Before they could ever go to Congress and work for a congressman or something, right out of college they ought to send them for a year or two-year duty overseas in the military. You know? I agree. And then say, now you can go be an intern, you know, if you want to be an intern. Now you can go get in the political system in Washington, you know, with the privilege is the privilege, you know? I think well, that's the thing, you know. That's why I think they ought to reestablish the draft, because so many people don't understand what the military personnel actually goes through, it's uh, terrible on a family. My lands. Married people with children in the military have it extremely difficult, and uh, especially the husband or the spouse is overseas in one of these... uh, Places, uh, you know, they're under constant stress. That takes a big toll on a person. Yeah, and the families are having to move all the time. They can't establish jobs, the wives and all that. Yeah. I think, like you said, that we should have a draft, that everybody should be drafted. And if there's snowflakes, then they have the snowflake for grades. And the snowflake gate can go clean the toilets and cook the food, you know? Yeah. And let them do snowflake stuff. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to eat their food. But <laughs> well, but you, you put the you put the old time cook in charge of them. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right you do. Boy, he was the king of the company. The cook was. Don't mess with the cook. I know, I know on the ship you didn't want to aggravate the sucker. You better be looking at the can of peanut butter and crackers. <laughs> You'll be sitting on the pot for three days. Yeah, eating at the forward galley for a while, you know. I'm getting tired of pizza and hot dog. I better go make up with that dude in the back. <laughs> well, chairman, we're out of time. I appreciate right. you coming on, really do. It's been a good show. So I hope you're staying warm down there on the top of that tree. I've got it. I've got it. I'm well, you know, that's good. I got two dogs. I got two dogs and a lot of coats and blankets, so I'm good. 
Well, that's good. I uh, hope you got a flashlight no, so you can no. see the climb out there. If not, yeah, just no, turn no, loose, no, you'll, no, no. you'll get to the ground yeah. soon yeah. enough. When nobody else loves me, that hound dog still curls up at the bottom of my feet, keeping them things warm, so I'm good. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Dogs are good All right, well, thank you, Mr. Cook. Thank you, John. And I didn't. I didn't light many fires tonight, but, you know, I'm trying to be optimistic, at least on the third day of the year. <laughs> yeah, let's keep our hopes up. And we'll talk to you again. You have a great one, Chairman. All right, you too. Be safe out there. Okay, you too. Bye. <laughs> had it I think John went sleep it's time for the hadit.com radio show hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA if you need help with the VA log on to hadit.com now here's your host Gerald Cook you've been listening to the hadit.com blog talk radio show sponsored by hadit.com all opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bachelor Show.